welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. My name's Sandy, and I'm here with Susie. We both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood, to families, and to all of life. I have a background in education and music, and Susie's training is in biblical counseling, theology, and ministry to women. Susie and I have served together at our local church for over 20 years together. So today we're looking at Proverbs 31, verse 13, 15, sorry, 15. And it says, she rises while it is still yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. And immediately I just think, okay, nursing moms know what this is like. They're up all hours of the night. Um, So last week we talked about verse 14, about providing food for her family, the merchant ship verse that we talked about. And now we see that this godly woman prepares it as well, selflessly serving not just her own family, but also her household, her servants, her maidens. And this woman wakes early and she gets things done. And this is a verse that I I feel like I can relate to a little bit more than than the ones we've looked at previously. Um, Strong's Concordance defines rises as to arise, to stand, to be set, to fulfill, to establish, to endure, to stir up, to carry out. Often used with a sense of rising in preparation or rising in power. I may be completely spent by the end of my day, but mornings are my go time. I love waking up early enough to have a coffee, to enjoy some quiet before the busyness of the day, to read the Bible, to get some work done or work out, to get ready before I have to share the bathroom. And I like to do this all before the rest of the family wakes up. This Proverbs woman means business before anyone else is awake. My kids are between the ages of 8 and 13, and they require a bit more direct parenting in the morning. For me, getting up early and being on top of the day and not feeling rushed and behind actually sets the tone for the whole family. Susie, your children are older and on their own for the most part. How is this verse applicable to your stage in life? What is your morning routine like? Well, I, I too like to be up before the rest of the family. There must be something about us women that need that, eh? Uh, I like to get up and have my coffee as well. And I always usually eat a handful of almonds to go with that because I don't like to have coffee on an empty stomach. And then I, I spend some time in the Word and in prayer before I'm ready to face the business of busyness of the day. And uh, sometimes I feel like I need to settle something in my soul. Sometimes I just... I'm eager to be filled with the Spirit, but I I need to be with Him before I get going on the other things. And in all honesty, I, I do like to be a little productive before everybody else gets up as well. Sometimes there's messages I, I need to respond to uh, as the day gets started. I I don't think that's necessarily a good habit, but uh, with the way things are, I, I do admit I, I do quite a bit of that in the morning as well. It helps me be be productive before everybody else is, is up and going. And on a good day, I, I can also unload my dishwasher and uh, maybe make some meat, prepare my meat for the for the dinner that night. That's a good day. And, of course, then I make some lunches and cook eggs for my husband and I. That's how we get our day started. And I, I really think it's, it's a lot about being prepared for the day, right? We need to be mentally, spiritually, and physically prepared. And as much as 
I think some of this is self-focused and maybe some of it needs to be self-focused because if we are stressed out and frazzled, we're not going to be good for anybody else. But the focus really shouldn't be on on ourselves. It really should be on others, right? Like when you read Proverbs 31, 15, she rises while yet is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She really is thinking about others and how she can bless others and serve others and make sure that others are okay. I think it's a good thing to remember. Uh, even if we feel like we need to be up at the beginning of the day before others get up, I think it's a good reminder to remember it's not about me. It's still about others. And the other thing I was thinking is that being prepared, which is a good thing, is very different from being controlling, right? Uh, as women, we, we have to be careful about that. There's a lot of women that really struggle with control and they, they just want to control every area of their life. And if something gets out of control, if there's something that happens that they aren't expecting, it just totally frazzles them. And that's not, that's not healthy for us. It's not God-honoring. Uh, last week I, I had a day, uh, to be at home and spend some time cleaning my house and prepare some food for some guests. And I just loved it. I, I do love my ministry. I love being at the church and, and preparing teachings and interacting with people and counseling. I really do love that. But sometimes it's just really nice to have a day at home. And, uh, I had actually taken that day as an extra day because I had been super busy. I'd been out on a lot of Saturdays and some more evenings than usual. And so I, I asked if I could have that day at home, um, largely because I felt it was necessary for my family, not even uh, so much for myself. But I'm like, okay, this is important that my family um, knows that I'm home and that my pro- priority is still home. So I, I did that. And it was a huge blessing to me. Uh, and it just so happened that because I was home, I had time to be organized and, and prepare the meal. And my son, who who loves cooking himself and, and watches a lot of chefs online, he uh, he said something to me. I can't. I would never even be able to repeat it. It was some sort of chef's language that meant that I had everything in place. Now that was kind of cool. It was kind of fun to be able to do that because uh, he then asked me if I thought that I was an organized person. And I said, well, it's not actually my natural strength, but it's something that I've learned to do in order to, to work with excellence and for God's glory. And he said something to the effect of like, I can tell. He says, you're organized, but you don't get all worked up when things don't go right. Something to that effect. And I thought, I'm so glad he noticed that, right? And uh, I, I do want to be organized, even if that's not my natural tendency, uh, even if I'm okay with maybe a little bit more disorder than some people would be. I do value order because God values order, and so I've worked hard at being a more orderly person. Of course, sometimes there's limited time, and it's harder to be that. But if I can, I, I do value that. But I'm glad he also recognized that I don't have to be in control. Uh, that was a huge compliment to me. And by God's grace, I, I really don't think I am a controlling person. Um, I think I'm fairly flexible when it comes to things when things don't quite go quite right. I'm, I'm fine with changing things and, and being gracious that way. Uh, I might drive certain people nuts when I do that. But I, I think it's a strength. But at the same time, I've really learned that there's a blessing 
in both types of people. And I've learned that I can learn from the organized person, and I've learned a lot. I've learned to be organized, even though that wasn't my natural tendency, but I've learned from the organized people how to be organized. And I think and I hope that maybe some super organized people have also learned from people like me just to relax a little bit sometimes, right? And so I think uh, when it comes to being prepared, we, we do want to be prepared so that we can prevent chaos. But uh, being prepared is different than being controlling. And it, it starts by, by being a steward of our minds. And it's about bringing order to our chaos because our natural sinful lives are full of chaos. And that's part of being a steward. And there's a great co- quote that goes with that. And I'm not going to repeat it this time because I've repeated it before. And it's uh, one of my favorite quotes. But it, it talks about bringing order to chaos. And that's part of being a steward. And the reality is if we haven't first brought order to our minds, it will be impossible to bring order to our lives. We will either live in the chaos of fear, which leads us to be control freaks, or we'll live in the chaos of complacency, which then leads to disorganization or unpreparedness. And so we want to be balanced that way. And to be balanced means that we live as a steward. And for me, getting up early and spending time with the Lord helps me to bring all of my chaos back Mm. to order. Yeah, you're talking about stewardship, and it just brings that picture of open hands, right? We can have our plans in our mind, um, but if we're holding it with that closed fist, then that's that's where the control is, right? You open your hand and allow and allow God to to take your plans and and change them if if need be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see many verses in Proverbs that connect sleep and slothfulness. Proverbs nineteen fifteen says, "Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger." And Proverbs 20, verse 13, says, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. And we read in Genesis 2 that God created us for work. Work isn't a bad thing. So how can women who have fallen into a pattern of sinful laziness break free from that and see lasting change? Yeah, well, I think it... it it comes and starts with actually admitting that slothfulness or laziness is actually sin. It's not just your personality or it's not just because you're a laid back person. No, laziness is sin. And if it's sin, then we have to repent. So that's where it starts. And then some practical tips to overcome, I think is number one, probably in our society is to set boundaries Mm -hmm. for our phone. And um, I know how hard it can be because when you're, busy and exhausted and you just need some downtime it can be so easy just to open up your phone and mindlessly scroll and uh, we think it's going to be restful and it's going to refresh us but it does Mm -hmm. the very opposite it just Mm -hmm. makes us even more exhausted Mm -hmm. and frustrated so we need to set boundaries and then secondly have a plan for what you want to accomplish that day if uh, you don't have any actual plan of what you want to do you're, you're probably going to waste your time that day and you're not going to f- feel fulfilled by the end and it won't motivate you to start the next day with purpose. So have a plan. And uh, number three, set some routines. We are 
people of habit. We, we like routines. As much as some of us might resist the idea, having routines actually gives us purpose and uh, helps us to know what we need to accomplish that day. I think they're very, very helpful, right? Like maybe if, if you're in an extreme um, form of, of laziness, you need to say, okay, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, those are my laundry days. On, on Mondays, I'm going to go grocery shopping. And um, for everyone, I think having a routine of when you're going to read your Bible is a very good habit. Right, so every morning or every day at lunch on your lunch break or every evening before you go to bed, whatever it is that works for you, set a routine to be in the word. Uh, for the valuable things, for the important things, have a routine. And then number four, I think it's remi- uh, good to remind yourself that you have been created to work. Work is a good thing. It's, it's something that God designed in creation. It's not a curse. Uh, I think our society has made work to be a curse because uh, we so often hear that work uh, is something that we have to do, but we're, we're really living for is for vacation or we're living for the weekend. But really, that's not how we should be living. Work is a good thing. It's something that we should enjoy, whether it's at work at home or outside the home, whatever it is, we are designed to work. And so let's remind ourselves that work is a good thing and not just follow the crowd that says hey live for the weekend every day off is a good day and work days are just a drag no start your day off monday's not a bad day monday's a good day it's a day that you're going to start by being very productive and it's a fresh start to your week and maybe last week you did things poorly but this is a fresh start so start well let monday be a reset button instead of a drag for you to get up in the morning so it's a matter of perspective and then number five uh acknowledge that laziness is sin but it's also selfish So make it your goal to outdo one another in showing honor. And that's from Romans 12. Um, It's not about comparison, not about saying, well, I've already done this much for my family and they haven't done anything for me, so I'm not going to do anything. No, keep serving. Keep helping your family, your church, your, your community. Don't compare yourself to how much others have done for you. Be a person who outdoes others. And that reminds me of our Bible study this morning, Sandy. We were talking about how the servant of Abraham had gone to um, his home country to find a wife for Isaac. And he prayed that the woman that he would find would be a woman who would not only offer to give him water to drink, but that he would find a woman that would also be willing to go above and beyond and water his camels. And knowing that culture back then, it would have been very hospitable, very normal for someone to offer water to a guest, to a stranger. But that's all that was expected. But this woman, her name was Rebecca, she not only gave him water, but she was willing to feed all of his camels water as well. That's huge. That would be a, mm-hmm. that would be a lot of work because I was reading in a commentary that uh, – Camels can hold up to 25 gallons of water, and I think he had 10 camels with him. That would be a lot of water to draw by hand from the well, and she was willing to do that. And I thought, wow, 
We need that kind of a work ethic, that kind of a hospitality ethic in our our culture. And so, yeah, it's easy to point the finger, but let's start with us. Like, let's let let's you and I be those kind of women. Let's raise those kind of children. Like, that would be mm-hmm. super exciting. And then number six, I I just want to finish as well by saying that it is important to set aside time to rest. And uh, yes, we want to be hardworking. We do not want to be slothful or lazy. But rest also is part of God's creational mandate. We, we should work six days and then have the seventh day as a day of rest. That is important. And if, if one full day doesn't work for you, set aside a few uh, time slots throughout your week. We don't have to be legalistic about it, but we we should be intentional about our rest time as well. And I think when you know that you're going to have time to rest and that you're going to take that time off, that mental time, that physical time, it actually helps you to enjoy your work more. And then when you do rest, you really do have the opportunity to refresh. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um what about the person who says, I'm not a morning person? That's just an excuse. <laughs> because, in all, because in all honesty, I wouldn't say that I'm naturally a morning person. I certainly wasn't in the past. Maybe I've become that. And maybe it's, I've become that because that's what I've started doing. Uh, but I know that I need to prepare my heart so that um, I can do the work that I've been called to do. And... Um, I, I do like my sleep. And when I first started doing this, I decided I'm going to compensate. I'm going to get up early five days a week, but then on the other two days, I'm going to let myself sleep in. But the funny thing is that the more I get up early in the morning, the harder it is to actually (laughs) sleep in. But but that's how I started and that's how it got easier. And then when, uh, I, um, actually did start getting up early, I long for that and so I do still have two, uh, at least two days a week where I don't set my alarm normally unless there's something going on that day. But in all honesty, by the end of the day, I'm usually thinking I wish I'd gotten up early and had spent that time in the Word that morning instead of waiting till the end of the day. And so, yeah, you know what? You can become a morning person if, uh, if you just put your mind to it. But at the same time, Uh, Once again, I don't think it's something we need to be legalistic about. And rather, we need to ask, what is the point of Proverbs 31, uh, the woman getting up early while it is still dark to prepare for her household? And once again, it's not so much about what time she gets up in the morning, but rather it's about being a steward of her time. It's important that we give ourselves enough time to physically and spiritually care for our household and for ourselves. And so... Uh, a mom with a newborn baby who's still feeding at night, she should not feel like she needs to be up before dawn and getting things up and going. Her priority at that time is caring and feeding her baby. And so it's not a mandate for everybody that everybody has to be up at a certain time. Before the sun rises, you need to be up. I don't think that's the point. But rather, what time do I need to get up so that I can properly prepare myself and my family for the day. And so the typical is the mom or the family who uh, has to get their five kids out the door on a Sunday morning and they get up 30 minutes before they need to leave. 
there's no way you're going to have a peaceful, enjoyable time getting all your kids ready to get out the door. You're not going to be ready to worship and serve the Lord if that's what you've done. And so give yourself enough time and sacrifice a little bit of sleep or a little bit of downtime if that's what's necessary. And so it's more about being a steward of your time than it is about being a morning person or an afternoon person or an evening person. No, we've been called to steward everything. Everything that God has entrusted to us, we are called to steward that and to steward that for his glory. And once again, a steward is a caretaker, one who brings order out of chaos. So let's steward our time. Yeah. I think too, it's not about the specific schedule. It's about your heart being prepared for, for honoring God, right, with your time. And I, I know um, in conversations with other mothers, especially the mother can set the tone for the whole day for the family. If you're running late, if you're, if you're frazzled, right, it, it does affect everybody in the family. So um, for the married couples, how can we prioritize both waking early with a plan and a purpose and also not being too tired at night to spend time with our husbands? Good question. Good question. I think that's probably uh, something that people commonly struggle with because we tend to marry someone that is opposite of us, right? Opposites attract. And uh, we think it's great until we're actually married and then we're trying to figure out how do we actually make this work, right? The one person wants to get up early in the morning, the other person's up all night, and and then before you know it, you're not even going to bed at the same time. And there's something very valuable about a husband and wife going to bed together. And um, there's just something intimate about that. It's an opportunity to pray together or to discuss the day's events. Just to be together and to be side by side, There. There's unity in that. And so I think it's very important. I think it's a priority that couples should make as much as possible to go to bed at generally the same time together. And so it's about being a balanced person. And um, don't get up too early, but don't stay up too late. And maybe you and your husband can help each other in that, right? And um, if you get up really, really early and he goes to bed late, maybe you can help him go to bed just a little bit earlier and maybe he can encourage you to say you know what like maybe you just need to stay in bed a little bit longer and maybe you don't have to get all those things done in the morning before we get up Um, maybe you're being too focused on being productive rather than just being available right and we have to be aware of that so I think we can learn from each other and we can learn to balance each other out if we're willing to learn from our spouse right And um, uh, I know that for myself personally, I today I was up a little earlier than normal. I knew I had to get up early, and then of course I woke up even earlier, and it made for a rough morning. And part of that is uh, there was things I I had to get done this morning. Uh, I had to prepare to teach, and obviously I can't you know, stand up in front of a crowd unprepared and I wasn't quite finished uh, doing my preparation, which isn't a good idea to wait that long. But the reality is my schedule is very full this first half of 2023. I do feel like I'm maxed out. Uh, I'm not, 
I'm not uh, overwhelmed or burnt out, but I'm maxed out. And so I, I can't really add to my schedule and it's not a habit that I want to continue. But right now that's kind of where I'm at. And I, um, uh, some of the things I, I really can't do much about. So anyways, all that to say, I was up earlier than I would like today, uh, but not necessarily something that I would make a habit of doing. And if it became a habit, then I would need to take some serious, you know, a serious look at my schedule to see how I can change things. But for now, I, I just need to get things done and trust that God will give me the strength uh, to do all that he has called me to do. I know he's not going to give me things that he hasn't called me to do. And so uh, if he's called me to it, he will give me the grace and the strength to make it happen, even if this is an extra busy season in my life. Um, and so when it comes to couples, back to that, if there's a problem uh, that you're never going to bed at the same time and you don't have enough time for your husband and he's expressing that to you, then maybe um, it's time to cut things out of your schedule so you aren't burning candles at you know both ends. And the reality is if you are married, then your husband is a priority and so you need to make sure, we need to make sure that we are reserving sufficient time for him. And unless he's an overbearing and controlling husband, which is the rare occasion, it is not the norm. Usually if a husband says, I need more time with you, that means he actually does need more time. And we should listen to that and heed that and do the best that we can to make that happen. And um, it makes me think of um, how we can be so much like Martha in the Bible. Uh, for those who don't know, there's two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they were both friends of Jesus. And Jesus came to visit them. And Martha was a doer. She was busy doing things and preparing things, preparing food or whatever it was. She wanted to prepare and serve Jesus. And Mary was just content to sit in the presence of God. And I can look at that and say, yeah, Martha had it right. She should be doing all these things. She should be making food and making sure the house is clean and whatever else she was doing because I can be a doer too. But I've learned that it's important to strive to be a Mary because Mary is the one that Jesus commends. And uh, it's so valuable to sit in his presence. And so as much as having a good work ethic is a biblical thing, sometimes we can get so caught up in being productive that we forget to just be present. And this goes for our relationship with God first and foremost. But it should also uh, carry into uh, our stewardship of the people that God has entrusted to us. And so sometimes we just have to stop being so productive and start mm -hmm. being present. Yeah. Um, I see a connection here with this verse, rising in the morning, being ready, and the passage in Matthew with the parable of the ten bridesmaids waiting for the groom to come. The wise virgins were prepared with oil and the foolish ones were not. This parable teaches us that each of us is responsible for our own spiritual condition. It can't be borrowed, it can't be bought at the last minute. And the godly woman in Proverbs plans and carries out her daily tasks. And we have to practice daily spiritual disciplines. 
And when we look at the passage in Matthew, we see a bigger picture of why these daily practices are so important that Jesus could take us home or he could return today. Um, So Susie, as a wise woman yourself and as someone who has counseled many others, how would you recommend that we keep ourselves ready spiritually sharp and prepared and how can we help others in our household do the same Mm -hmm. well first of all we need to be prepared for eternity and that means we have to have a personal relationship with jesus christ meaning we have repented of our sins and trusted that he died for us and that he alone is our salvation Without him, no one will see God. And so it it starts with the relationship with Jesus. Let's not be so busy serving him that we forget to actually have a relationship with him. It's not our good deeds that get us to heaven. It's our faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did for us. And the same for our kids or our family or our friends. Uh, Let's not just tell them to do good things and how to live practically and uh, live well and wisely, but let's make sure that they have a personal relationship with Jesus. Just going to church doesn't save them. So it starts with that. Make sure you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And then secondly, uh, we need to always be prepared to give an answer for for the hope that we have. We are called to be his witnesses. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15 says, uh, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So be willing and ready to talk about your faith. Third, we need to be prepared to live every day with wisdom. Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And if we live that way, if we live with wisdom, we don't have to live with regret or shame or or fear, right? If you've been living unwisely, if you've been foolish, you have every right and every need to live in fear and uh, be afraid to meet your God. But if you've been living with wisdom, you don't have to live that way. Uh, if you've been living with wisdom, you don't have to live in regret when you're on your deathbed. No, you you know that you have lived wisely. Not perfectly, none of us do. But live wisely. So be prepared to do that every day. Live every day as if it were your last. And I think if we did that more often, we wouldn't get so caught up on the little minor things that can frustrate us or worry us or offend us so easily, right? Um, so yeah, live every day as if it were your last. Live with wisdom. And then fourth, uh, I think we need to be prepared to speak truth into our culture. The reality is our culture is lost. They're broken. They're depraved. And it's it's so evil out there. Second Timothy 4, 2-4 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but with itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. What a reminder that we don't want to be teachers who just teach people what they want to hear. 
And if there's ever been a time in my lifetime where that is such a huge um, uh, just expectation, uh, I don't think there's ever been such a time. We are being silenced for speaking the truth. We are being shut down. Um, We are being accused of being unloving. And of course, the moment you're accused of being unloving, that means you better be quiet and you've just committed the worst sin ever by being unloving. And, and yet, I, I think we need to be prepared to speak truth into our culture. I think this is an area that many of us have been catapulted into in the last few years as we've just seen the decline and as we've seen evil being exposed and highlighted and celebrated to, to degrees that we've never seen personally before. Uh, the key is that we need to be gospel-centered, uh, and that means that we want to make our conversations redemptive. And to be redemptive, we, we do have to be prepared to share the gospel, the good news, the actual uh, way of salvation. But we also want to be prepared to talk about why certain things are wrong. And it's so important to speak up uh, for certain things, things like why there's only two genders. And it's important to know how to speak up about why abortion is wrong. We never do it to shame or belittle anyone, but we, we speak up for these things so that we can rescue those who are going towards death. And, um, we need to realize that the person in rebellion with their gender may not die physically, although suicide is very high amongst people in that category. But we also need to recognize that a part of their humanity dies the moment that they choose to live in that confusion. And so we should rescue them. That is the loving and gospel-centered thing to do. And then when it comes to abortion, uh, most people know they might deny it, but the reality is they know that a baby is being rescued when we prevent abortion from happening. But we don't always consider the fact that we're also rescuing the woman. Sometimes the emphasis is so strong on being compassionate to the woman and that hinders people from actually speaking the truth to her. And it's because they forget that she too needs to be rescued. It is anti-human. It is anti feminine to choose to kill your own baby and no matter how much we sanitize abortion by calling the uh, the baby an embryo or tissue or a fetus uh, by calling it abortion then rather than actually calling it for what it is which is murder or, or baby killing uh, no matter how much we sanitize it the truth is it's still murder. It is still a woman killing her very child. That is so anti-human. It is so anti what she's been designed for. And so we need to be prepared to speak the truth with grace on these issues. And it's not about being harsh. It's not about being cruel. In fact, when we are willing to actually speak up, we are rescuing them from dehumanizing themselves. And, um, and then once we've rescued them from this major crisis, they're ready to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and we should be sure to do that too. We don't want to just moralize people, uh, although we do want to prevent them. We, we do want to rescue them from death, 
we do also want to think about their eternity, and that means we want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Well, that is a powerful reminder of why we do what we do in Jesus' name and for his glory. Speaking truth into a confused and deceived world is getting increasingly harder when biblical values are disdained, they're hated by those around us. So we really want to help equip women to biblically process and then speak into the cultural issues of the day. And we are planning to do this um, through our upcoming women's conference. It's going to be on May 26th and 27th at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor. And the Rise Up Conference is for women aged 18 and over. We're going to be addressing many of these issues with the aim to be prepared to be counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And our registration just opened, so we do encourage you to go on our website to register. Um, and we are looking forward to, to that time together in May. And we hope that you have enjoyed listening today. Thank you for joining us as we rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up.